Hello and welcome to this episode of the John Henry Weston Show. You know, over the past two years, our first responders have been incredible. They have gone right into the heart of what many considered grave danger in sacrificing themselves to serve people who had come down with COVID to go out to them, to pick them up from hospital. The nurses have especially been there to treat them while everyone was so, so scared. These were the great frontline workers who were hailed, who were celebrated. And all of a sudden, the tide has turned so that they are being canceled. They are being fired. They are being suspended without pay, all because they refuse to take the COVID jab. This jab, which is so harmful, which many have religious uh, qualms with taking, and yet hospitals, even Catholic hospitals, are refusing religious exemptions, refusing health exemptions, refusing it all. It is unbelievable. We're going to talk with one of those heroes right now. So stay tuned. This is the John Henry Weston Show. Agnes Zabiga, welcome to the program. Welcome, John Henry. Let's begin as we always do with the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Agnes, uh, thank you for being with us. Thank you especially for what you're doing, uh, for both having worked the uh, pandemic, as it's called, and uh, also standing up for freedom, standing up for your rights, especially your rights as a Catholic, as someone who objects to uh, it, to the uh, COVID abortion-tainted COVID jab. Yes. Well, thank you. You've had support from your community. Uh, nearly a couple of months ago now, there was already a demonstration. There is a small town uh, in the area where your hospital is, uh, Barry's Bay, Ontario, probably about 1,500 people in the town. 150 people showed up for the demonstration. Um, it was absolutely unbelievable. Here's some photos from that we have. One of the organizers of it, a Gudrun Wagner, explained that, you know, there were many of the nurses being fired, not fired, suspended without pay, which is actually worse for them, uh, because then they're unable to get even EI. So if you can tell us uh, a bit about your story, how this started for you and where you're at now. It came as a surprise to me because I didn't think there was anything that was going to be organized. And um, I came across... Gudrun in a church parking lot and she heard my story and she said well we have to do something and we need to support all the nurses and all the healthcare workers and she just went to work she went to work she started to make signs she started to organize this and um, in no time there was a date and the protest was being organized so I did spread the news to my colleagues and um I was the only one who came and it felt a bit strange, but I, I thought that, no, this is, this is the right thing to do. And I'm not afraid to have my name um, out there because I knew there were going to be interviews from the local newspapers. And obviously my husband would know this, but I was not afraid. I, I knew what I was doing and I felt strong about this. So Thank you, Gudrun. Like you did great, and you organized this. So this was this was a blessing. 
And um, it was a relief because um, to see people supporting us, it meant a lot. It meant a lot that there are people in the community who, who are standing um, for our freedom, freedom of choice. And they were, they were providing that, that support, that community support. It was a beautiful day. The sun was shining and it was, it, it was a relief to me. I, I, felt, I felt good about doing this. And obviously my name was put in the paper. So the hospital ended up having that paper everywhere. And everybody read my, um, a lot of comments that I provided. Um, and it was interesting because my last day was 31st of October, which was Halloween. And that paper article actually was released that weekend. So people were coming to me and saying, well, I, I read the I read the story in the paper and I support you. I This is not... This is not a good thing what hospital is doing. So nurses were actually um, very supportive and nobody gave me any negative comments in the hospital, which was, which was good. So I left on good terms. And nurses who did take the vaccine, who um, obviously made their choice, um, were actually expressing their thoughts about this, that this was not a good thing what hospital was doing, that nobody thought this was, it would come to it. And I also spoke some with some doctors, and they were surprised, and they were really shocked that hospital would take would make that move. If you don't mind backing up with us, where did this start from you? How you know what exactly happened step by step, and you know when you came to it, what did you do? Uh, if you could take us through, that would be awesome. We heard about the vaccines early in the year, so I think it must have been February because. Uh, being a small community, the vaccines were available to our um, to our patients. We have a lot of seniors here, but they were also provided to all the staff. So they made them available very quickly to us. So I knew from the beginning that I was not going to take this vaccine and the vaccine was not mandatory. So I remember when we had a person from the hospital going around to meet with everybody and put them on the list for the vaccination clinic. And I said, no. And I remember she was saying, yeah, that's okay. It's your choice. And, and that was great. But just backing up a little bit, when I, when I moved to this area and I got this job um, in the summer last year, so 2020, um, I remember at that point, I just felt deep down that I may not be able to get this job if they mandate vaccination already in the contract, right? So I already had that thought that, What's going to happen? And I remember there was a there was a request for, for some other vaccinations for the employment purposes. So um, so that was fine, and I did not have all of them. I, I don't take the flu shots, so they did not really comment about that. But I remember I, that was the first thought that came to my mind that I may not be able to get this vaccine. Right? I mean, may not be able to get the job if I don't if they put something in the contract, which wasn't. So that was great. And then what happened later on, they started to um, promote the vaccine. So there were information put in our weekly um, communique, which is a is a information um, sent out to all of us. Um, so they were promoting the vaccine and, and providing resources for us to have, like how good is this vaccine? And if you have any questions, this is where you go. Um, so this was a very gentle approach until there was a more forceful approach when the policy came out with the Directive 6 and the hospital was then 
standing strong that this is going to be mandated. So it's going to be, it was a directive six, but then it created a mandatory vaccination for our hospital. And then we started to be given dates, right? So then the, the first most important date was October 31st. So by, by October 31st, if we were not vaccinated with at least first shot, and then we would not be able to, to continue. And initially, we were people who were not vaccinated were required to take testing, but their names were not revealed to the management. So we were just going through occupational health and safety um, office and we were being tested weekly and every week we were being, we were being given more information what's going to happen next. They gave you an opportunity to uh, submit a religious exemption, did they not? Well, when the policy came out, one of the, so the first requirement was that you needed to have, you needed to be fully vaccinated. Then the second possibility was medical exemption. And the third was exemption based on the Ontario Human Rights Code. Right. And it was very vague how it was written. So I wasn't quite sure. So when I finally um, revealed my situation and spoke with my manager, she was very, very good. And she provided with, with me with some information. So at that point, I really didn't think this was going to be a problem. I thought, well, the hospital is doing the right thing. They have this policy. Most people are vaccinated. Um, so they're not going to have a problem. And if people have medical exemptions, if they have need for that, and if they have need for religious exemption, that's going to be fine. So I wrote them a very short letter initially. Really did not think, I did not think much that it was going to be important for me to reveal all, the, um, all my thoughts and to receive this um, uh, exemption. So I, it was a very short letter. I sent a letter. And I got a reply from my manager that this went to COO of the hospital as he's going to be acting as a human resource person. And I'm going to hear from him. So I was called in to a meeting. And in the meeting, they were giving me a rejection of this. They said that, no, I need to be vaccinated. This is, this is not enough. And I was asking for exemption, religious exemption based on my Catholic religion, right? So At a Catholic hospital. At a Catholic hospital. Right. And they had arguments. They had obviously arguments against it. So, and the biggest argument was that Pope Francis was in a way promoting it, right? And saying that it's okay for us to take it. So this was the biggest argument. And the, the first letter I sent, I did submit um, a comment from our, our bishop, our local bush, bishop. And it is really protection of conscience. It, it's our individual decision and again, that was not respected. So to take it further, I, I put in an appeal, and that was a four-page letter at that point, instead of a half-a-page letter. And I explained things in details, and, and it was well-written. I had some help with that letter. So um, I thought with that letter, it's going to be fine. I submitted a certificate from Bishop Schneider, and... I thought, well, they wanted some evidence. So now I'm providing some evidence. So they should respect it. And again, that was denied very quickly. So there's a couple of items here that we need to unpack. Uh, one, who is the COO who's making these decisions? 
So that's Mr. Greg McLeod. Is he the one who's bringing up or who's bringing up uh, the Pope Francis angle on, on all of this? That's, that's, yes, that's him. It's a small hospital, so people are wearing several hats, right, in, in those positions. So he's the one making decisions. And obviously he's, he's actions from the CEO. It's absolutely unbelievable that people think to arbitrate what is your Catholic faith. Um, we know that there is great consternation in the Catholic Church about this. The Pope might be promoting it, but the Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith has come out with a document, yes, saying that it is uh, morally licit, they believe. Uh, that's being contended with by many, many, especially Bishop Schneider. But also, in the same letter from the Vatican, which is the official letter from the Vatican, they say that it should not be mandated. So <laughs> here is here is someone who is fighting with you over your Catholicism denying, uh, you know, your your faith uh, and saying that this is what the Pope has said when they have absolutely no clue that the Vatican itself has said that they are not to be mandated. Nonetheless, uh, Greg McLeod should be hearing from people uh, because he has chosen to take it upon himself to arbitrate uh, your faith. Also wanted to get into this letter from Bishop Schneider. Uh, Bishop Schneider, as probably most of you know, has uh, been very vocal in terms of opposing this vaccine for its abortion-tainted nature. Uh, we know that uh, the vaccine has employed the use of aborted fetal cell lines uh, that basically took from aborted babies uh, a cell line. We also know that that has to be extracted from organs. The children who are aborted have to be over uh, around three months of age at least in order to have organs already, um, three months gestation. Uh, And then those have to be extracted in a way that doesn't allow for miscarriage or anything like that. So it's a horrific thing that's gone on. Um, It's deplorable from anyone's perspective. And then the argument comes whether it should be accepted or not. You appealed to uh, Bishop Schneider because you're part of his Association of the Faithful, and uh, therefore he writes in as your bishop. Our, your own bishop, as you explained, um, is also supportive of freedom of conscience on the issue, and yet here's a Catholic hospital denying you that. Uh, it's it's really unbelievable. Um, where are you right now in terms of your... Uh, job with the hospital uh, in terms of your ability to collect unemployment insurance or anything like that? It's unpaid administrative leave, which has been extended till the end of the year, so 31st of December. I don't know where things are past December, are going to be past December 31st. I have been contacted by my union rep, so I know the grievances have been uh, done through the union, through ONA, and they did a group grievance for all the seven nurses who are in the same situation as I am. Um, actually, not seven, because some of them are RP and some are RNs. So I think there's like majority is RNs. So that would be ONA, Ontario Nurses Association. And um, they have also done a personal individual grievance for me um, because of that religious exemption being denied. So I know that's done. ONA was supporting me. In terms of unemployment, I haven't applied for. I don't know if I'm even, if I would even qualify. Maybe, but I have, um, I have been actually doing some private assignments. So, I am working. I'm doing some volunteer work, and I'm, I'm working. So I haven't looked into unemployment. 
Yeah, you're working privately, totally outside the hospital. It's interesting because so many of the people uh, in your situation are faced with a similar thing. They're unable to apply for unemployment insurance because officially you're still employed. Uh, still employed, but employed uh, and and given a, a a suspension without pay. So it is unbelievable. It, it's some in some ways, in that way at least, it's worse than being fired. Um, and yet this is going on everywhere for months now. You've been denied pay. Um, thanks be to God, you have some private work that you can do. Uh, but this is a this is a real trial for so many people uh, in your same situation. What are your thoughts in terms of what you did? Would you do it again? Uh, you know, if you knew the consequences, and what's your message to uh, nurses and other healthcare professionals who are facing the same thing? Absolutely, I would do it again. There's no other way. Um, you have to, one has to be true to themselves, right? So I, I knew from the very beginning that I was not going to to take these these vaccines, well, not vaccines, not those injections. And um, I've been watching it very closely and I have, I have made an informed decision when it comes to medical treatment, because it is a medical treatment, but obviously the priority, like the most of all, it was the religious um, exemption, the, the religi- religious argument that was the strongest for me. We'll see what happens. I mean, I'm I'm sad that in a hospital setting, in a medical setting, we are not providing people with this this choice. We have been always preaching it, right? Like freedom of choice, patient's decision. We've been advocating for that. We've been respecting autonomy. And here we are completely denying this to healthcare workers who are healthy, like we are healthy people, provide, like we've been working through this pandemic, right? And I don't even know any, any co-workers um, here or in the previous town I worked in that have been actually sick with COVID and have any complications with COVID. So we've been definitely strong. We've been holding strong and, and able to keep going, right? So no, I would definitely do it again, John Henry. And I I think people need to, like I feel for those who have been pressured and who've been actually going to get these jobs and crying while getting them because they felt they had no choice, right? They, ha- they wanted to keep their job and they had no choice. So they had to take something that was against their will. And we have that legally in Canada. It's informed consent. You can't be cajoled into something. So it's actually illegal for healthcare workers to administer such things if they're being, uh, you know, the, the so-called consent has come under duress, which is no consent at all. It's an unbelievable situation. Agnes, I want to I thank you for standing strong. Uh, I think your story is going to resonate with many people and, and God willing, change some hearts and minds. I'm going to encourage people to... Uh, reach out to your administrators. Uh, this Greg McLeod, the CEO of St. Francis Hospital in Barry's Bay, Ontario, uh, needs to hear uh, your voice, needs to hear those. You're going to find uh, contact information for him uh, in the comment section below this video and at my blog post on this at lifesightnews.com. I encourage you all to do that. Agnes, thank you again so much and God bless you. Thank you. God bless you too. And God bless you all. We'll see you next time on the John Henry Weston Show. We have been warning everyone who would listen and attempting to build up alternative platforms to continue to reach you. We have established ourselves on all sorts of platforms I'm going to explain in a minute, but the most important thing to do is come direct to lifesitenews.com because there we will always be.
but we've also established ourselves on platforms like Parler and MeWe, and our videos can be found on Rumble as well. We would love to see each of you on those platforms too, as they are not censoring or suppressing the truth that we are sharing every single day. More than these alternative social media platforms, we highly encourage you to subscribe to our email newsletter. We have really built up a large list of loyal readers on our email marketing platform, and we have prepared several backup plans for, well, I want to say if, but it's really when, we are removed from our current platform as well. Additionally, I really encourage you, as I said before, to make it a regular habit to go directly to lifesitenews.com. Make it your homepage. While all of these different platforms are an excellent way to curate your news, going directly to our website means that you will never encounter any censorship or sudden loss of LifeSite News reporting. Here's the thing. We will never stop sharing the truth. We founded this organization with the mission to be the life, family, and culture source for men and women who seek to know the truth. We have established a track record of honest reports, and this will never stop, even with censorship happening around the globe. Again, I'm encouraging you to join us on Parler, MeWe, Rumble, and on our email list. You can find all the direct links in the description of this video. May God bless you and keep you, and we are so thankful that you've chosen to follow and support LifeSite News. I'm John Henry Weston, co-founder and editor-in-chief of LifeSite News.